Canaan. It's all about Jesus. It's not about religion, it's about relationships. Where beginners are welcome. Where forgiveness is offered. Where hope is alive. And it's okay to not be okay. Well, hello everyone. Welcome to this week's Canaan STL podcast. This is Pastor Daniel here again with Pastor Martin Winslow. And today we're talking about the SBC, the Southern Baptist Convention. So uh, last week, uh, Pastor Martin and I were able to go down with our wives and spend the whole week just uh, delving into all kinds of Southern Baptist Convention stuff from the convention itself to breakout meetings to um, just having a, we, I, I had a great time. I don't know about you, Martin, but I had a great time. Yeah, fantastic time. It was great to, to be a part of, uh, you know, the NAM and IMB, uh, yep. you know, coming together and, and talking about missions and and it was just a it was a great time to see what God's doing. A lot of good things. So let's let's start with that. Let's start with what are the positives? Uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, talk and chatter. If you're reading the blogs and posts and tweets, you know, a lot of chatter about SBC, positive and negative. But from your standpoint, what you experienced last week, both going into it and in through it, and now after it, what do you see as some positives about what happened last week in the Southern Baptist Convention? I thought it was awesome to see the North American Mission Board and the IMB so closely working together. Yep. Talk about missions. What was it? It was called the SEND conference that we yep. went to initially. And man, that was just really exciting. I think the IMB placed 68 new missionaries in the field. So that's awesome. Super exciting. Commissioning service for that. And so there was a lot of unity on us doing global missions trying to continue to do Matthew 28, 18 through 20 together. And although we may have some disagreements, you know, within, uh, you know, just some minor, maybe even secondary issues, it was neat to see everybody really charging forth on missions. And I, I know you and I spent that first evening listening to Tony Evans, get everybody mm. excited about that. What a great message. Yeah. We need to figure out how to get that and post it so that our people can watch that. One of the Probably the best message on the Great Commission I think I've heard. And I've heard some good ones. Um, so it was just fantastic. Very well done. <clears throat> Very well done. Well, I would say that was, you know, a positive. It was really uplifting. A lot of the musicians that came in and played, there was a lot of unity with the singing. And, you know, I would also say we really enjoyed, I, I know we both enjoyed the nine marks at nine o'clock. Yeah, that was great. And, um, you know, most people probably don't know about that. You want to tell them a little bit about what those guys do kind of after the, you know, the yep. sessions are over? Sure. Yeah. So Nine Marks is, a, you can check it out at ninemarks.org. Um, started by a guy named Mark Dever. He's a, he's a pastor at Capitol Hill Baptist Church in Washington, D.C. And uh, gosh, uh, several decades ago, he started this. He wrote a book called Nine Marks of a Healthy Church, and that just kind of launched this whole, you know, Nine Marks ministry. So they're Southern Baptists, but... Um, very, very conservative and just, uh, you know, a very unique way of doing church, um, which is, you know, I really like them a lot. And so, uh, yeah, it was really good. They always, do, so every year they always do kind of a, after, after the convention of the day, that night they'll do some kind of breakout, some kind of, they call it nine marks at nine. So it's at 9 p.m. And uh, they'll, sometimes they'll do how we see the state of the SBC or, you know, like this time, they also did a little session on deacons and how critical deacons are to the church and just some really good stuff. Yeah, that was a highlight for me. I really enjoyed, really enjoyed Nine Marks um, Ministries. So that's good. Uh, what other positives? What about the convention itself? So the, so the way the 
the convention, the whole week is set up. You have Sunday night, Monday is what they call, traditionally called the pastor's conference. That's where you have preaching and sometimes you have breakout sessions to, you know, talk about different topics facing the church and that sort of thing. But then Tuesday and Wednesday is really set aside as convention business, right? So you'll, that's when motions are made. That's when um, all the different Southern Baptist convention entities like the seminaries, Lifeway, um, International Mission Board, North American Mission Board, Ethics, Religious Liberty Commission, all those kind of give their reports and addresses, that sort of thing. Um, what about the convention itself did you think was positive, Martin? The, yeah. the, the business, those two days of business. Sure. Well, I thought the attitudes, uh, for the most part, um, were great. You know, J.D. Greer did a great job of running the business portion of the meeting as president. Um, you know, sometimes people's tempers get a little bit riled if they feel like they're not being heard or, you know, their emotions not being taken seriously. Um, people are passionate. You know, issues like abortion come up, um, homosexual marriage, uh, critical race theory, intersectionality, all those things came up at different times during the business portion of the meetings, resolutions, things like that, that people are passionate about and should be passionate about. And I thought it was overall handled very well. Um, you know, I mean, when you have 17,000 people in the room, uh, there's no right. telling what can happen when they get a microphone. <laughs> 17,000 people mean 17,000 opinions on every <laughs> single topic. Yep, that's right. And, and that's I just right. thought like overall, that the tone was really good. You know, we watch people today in our culture when they talk about things they disagree with. And so many times it turns into a big yelling match and we just didn't see that. And I praise the oh, Lord. That's right. Absolutely. Yep. So, so since the convention, you're able to look back and reflect, what do you think were some positive steps that we made as a convention? Yeah, I think some of the resolutions were real positive. Um, you know, reaffirming, uh, you know, what SBC people have always believed since Roe v. Wade. Abortion is such a big issue. It seems like, especially during this last election cycle, that people, even people who have been conservative Christians in the past, they're just probably, a lot of people are tired of the fight, you know, with abortion. And so not taking it as seriously, but it was good to see that we passed a resolution again. And I think they were really careful with the language there. Um, originally, whenever the resolution went through, at least the motion to make it, um, there was this idea that by any means necessary, we would we would stop abortion. Well, that leaves it open to like the crazies also to go in with guns and be wild. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there was wisdom there. Let me just briefly explain to our listeners what a resolution is at a convention, right? So a resolution is simply um, anytime the convention gathers, it's a, a resolution is a statement um, that is for or against something uh, in a specific time. So it's not binding. Uh, it doesn't uh, it doesn't re result in any action to be taken. It's simply a gathering, a statement that the convention wants to make, wants to speak to. Uh, cultural, political, theological statement that the convention senses. Uh, the leadership of the Lord to, to make public. So uh, that's what a resolution is. Whereas a motion, a motion is made, it is binding. Uh, it does, it, if passed and adopted, it does result in the convention needing to take some kind of action. So that's the difference between a motion and a resolution. But anyway, go ahead, Martin. Sorry, I just want to make sure everybody understood that. Sure. I think that's, that's a really good, that's an important point to understand. And resolutions, you know, they may become outdated based on what happens in a culture. So like you said, 
Yep, absolutely. Reflect a given moment in time. This is what we're saying is important at the time. Yes. You know? Yep. So it was good to see some real good foundational principles, I think, uh, reaffirmed for us about biblical marriage and those kind of things. So I, I like to see that um, because you kind of wonder, you know, as um, as you look at Christianity and, and even in Baptist life, so many um, Baptist churches, you know, closing their doors over time um, that we're reaffirming the same beliefs overall as a convention. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I agree with everything you said. I also want to add, you know, some other positives. Uh, one is the just the the stance that we as a convention took, especially there toward the end of just making sure that we thoroughly deal with any kind of sexual abuse that's going on in our churches. We deal with it transparently, we deal with it aggressively, and we deal with it for the benefit of the victims. Um, so I really was appreciative of, of that stance uh, that, that we took. Yeah. Um, so what about, uh, what about some concerns? Anything that happened that has brought concern to you? Yeah, I think, you know, you and I have been talking about this, and I know lots of pastors have been talking about this everywhere, but um, what one of the, uh, the big issues is uh, critical race theory right now. And, um, you know, a lot of people wanted to see a little bit of a harder stance, I think, by the convention on, you know, what was it, Resolution 9 at the Birmingham um, right. convention two years ago that passed that said that CRT could be used um, and those could be helpful things as we look at culture. Yep. A lot of people were pretty much in an uproar, I guess you could say about that over the last couple of years, you know, yep. thinking, that, you know, the scriptures are enough to speak to issues like that. Yeah, that's right. A lot of people see that critical race theory um, has no gospel in it. There's no forgiveness in it. There's no grace in it. That's right. That, you know, There's to, no room for transformation. Exactly. And I think a lot of people have trouble with that. So, so I would say I would have liked to have seen a little bit of a harder stance. I mean, that's just a personal thing. Um, no, I, I agree. I know. Uh, so, so they passed resolution number two, which uh, addressed kind of beyond critical race theory, just addressed any theory that arises that is claiming to add to, you know, scripture and its ability to take care of us. So I, I kind of understand where they were coming from. You know, James Merritt, who's a very conservative, longtime Southern Baptist pastor, former president of the convention. You know, he was pretty, pretty strong on their stance. But, you know, again, back to the definition of a resolution. A resolution is, is a moment in time where the convention speaks to a particular topic. And, you know, we're not, we're not addressing a bunch of different theories right now. We're addressing critical race theory. So I agree with you. I would have loved for that resolution to a specifically mentioned critical race theory. Now that that's kind of a concern, but, but at the same time, the positive is we didn't hear one peep of anyone who was pro CRT. Right. Right. We, no, it, it, it was, it was unanimous that there was not a place for CRT, yep. you know, in the biblical discussion, the gospel discussion. I mean, so that was good. That was good. We were kind of, so this became kind of a, you know, semantic that since we had mentioned CRT before, probably should have mentioned it specifically again. But the good news there, at least for me, the tone that I understood everyone to be saying was, we are not for CRT. Um, Would you agree with that? Yeah, I I got the exact same feel. And I'm with you. I thought, was it resolution two you said? Yeah. Really, it was trying, the idea was it was trying to speak even into the future about any ideas that come up 
that might be similar to CRT even. Yep. Right. Uh, we just are going to use the scripture as Baptist. But again, like you said, resolutions are a reflect moment in time. So okay. I would like to see better language on that. But yep. again, what we can get. And, and overall, I'm with you. I don't I didn't feel like anybody was was coddling CRT there. Yeah, definitely agree. So what uh, what else? What other concerns do you emerge from the Southern Baptist Convention with? Yeah, I, I think um, when I look at the overall picture, I mean, my goodness, how many how many Baptist churches are represented by the SBC, Daniel? It's it's just under fifty thousand. Yeah. So when you have that many right autonomous bodies, there's just going to be a lot of different beliefs on secondary issues. But one of them, which Baptists historically have kind of held the line on, is this idea of complementarianism. Yep. Um, and and I would like to see um, us kind of cinch cinch up the rope a little bit tighter on that and and define things maybe a little bit better over time. That way everybody just knows, you know, what what lane everybody's running in. What do you believe about women uh, pastors or elders? Uh, are those the same words as pastor, a gift, an elder in office? Right. Or is it like we hold that elder, overseer, and pastor are all interchangeable right. words? Yep. Right. We even heard some things about Saddleback at the Nine Marks at Nine conference about yep. their understanding of those offices. And yep. um, right. So that just so just so our hearers understand, we bring everybody up to speed on that. So, so Saddleback um, Church, started by Rick Warren back in the uh, early '80s, has become one of the largest Southern Baptist churches. And you know, Rick Warren, he's always kind of been um, a little controversial. He'll, I think, he does that on purpose sometimes, right? Um, but anyway, so. This issue of women pastors is is not new to SBC. We kind of fought that issue back in the seventies, eighties, early nineties, and uh, like Pastor Martin said, we came down uh, in agreement with, according to the Baptist Faith and Message two thousand, that pastors can and elders can only be men. And we believe that because First Timothy chapter three's qualifications mention that. First Timothy chapter two talks about. You know, women should not be teaching and prophesying or have authority over men, that sort of thing. So, you know, there's a good biblical grounds, good biblical conversation there. Um, anyway, that's kind of where we have historically landed. Um, well, a few weeks ago, preceding the convention, uh, the big news was is that Saddleback Church had ordained three women to be pastors. Now, to, to clarify, they are pastors over children or women but they still gave them that title pastors. And so that caused an uproar, you know, in the SBC life, we're a complementarian and, you know, pastors only for male as anti-Baptist faith message 2000. Well, Mark Dever was talking about nine marks. He actually called Rick Warren and just asked him about it. And Rick Warren said, yeah, well, our view is that pastors, pastors more of a gifting elder is the office and that they would not allow women to be elders. But as far as the gifting of overseeing and shepherding, um, that, that, that he saw that that would be okay. So, you know, so you're right. There's a, there's kind of a different view, even within Southern Baptist life on are pastors, elders, overseers the same? Are they different? And then what can, or what can women do according to scriptures and what can men do according to scriptures, et cetera. So, so yeah, it's kind of a, a, a little bit of a divisive issue. Um, and so let's also further unpack this because this also has some implication with the new president, uh, Pastor Ed Litton, who's the new president of Southern Baptist Convention. So, so complementarianism, if you're kind of hard complementarian, you say only men can be pastors, elders, only men can preach from the pulpit to a mixed crowd, to meaning men and women. 
Soft complementarianism would say only men can be pastors and elders, but a woman can speak from the pulpit if she's there under the authority of the senior pastor. Um, well, so Ed Litton, um, he would be more of a softer complementarian because his wife, Kathy, uh, who's got a lot of Missouri roots, um, but she 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 speaks from time to time from the pulpit addressing women, et cetera. Her and Ed can do some sermons together, that sort of thing. So, you know, there's some kind of, um, I don't know if concern might be might be the right word or just kind of just keeping a watch on how is this going to is this going to affect the trajectory of our convention? Of course, the, 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 the far view to the left would be egalitarian, which is, you know, some many Christian groups hold this that women can do anything. They can be senior pastors, lead pastors, elders, etc. cetera. Um, I, I have not heard a good egalitarian argument against first Timothy two and three. Um, but, be that as it may, that's just the other view that's out there, which has not been supported by the Southern Baptist Convention. So, yeah, right on. Um, so back to your point, Martin, I was just kind of giving some explanation there. Um, so what other concerns do you see? Yeah, well, and I and I think that's going to be one for us to hash out probably, especially over the next few years, you know, whether it's mentioned in the Baptist faith and message or not. Because like you said, a soft complementarian like Ed Litton would say something like, well, my wife can teach or have authority under my authority uh, from the pulpit. And, and we would say more, well, that's functional egalitarianism. So you can call it soft complementarianism, but, but actually here's how you're acting. And so for us, I think just, just some more clarity on some of those things would be, would be good. And, and this doesn't, you know, that's a secondary issue. I think it's a very critical, very important one. We have strong beliefs on that. There's historical precedent that you look at as well um, that I think is, is on our side. That complementarianism is, is, is definitely foundational. Uh, but at the same time, we don't make it, want to make it about salvation. But again, this will affect uh, how the church is run and whether or not it's being run faithfully. So I just think over the next few years, we'll probably see those things hash out more clearly. I agree. I agree. Uh, but I think overall, I came away from the convention, uh, kind of this has been my statement, it went better than I thought it was going to go. <laughs> yeah. uh, now, I, you know, you and I both, we voted for the first round, we voted for Al Mohler to be president because um, we just know where he is theologically. He is sound and solid. He has a long history of faithfulness and commitment to um, truth and to the gospel and to raising up you know, men and women to go serve Jesus all over the world. So I was really excited about him, really surprised that uh, he didn't even make the runoff. So, um, but, you know, God knows what he's doing. So we trust our sovereign Lord in this, but but it was good. It was good. Um, So favorite two things that happened, the best two for you, what were the best two moments or takeaways, if you will, from the Southern Baptist Convention? Well, I would say the first the first thing was um, I loved uh, Tony Evans bringing together at the SEND conference our mission uh, with NAM and with the IMB and to remember uh, the things that mattered the most. And that's getting the gospel to the nations. Uh, he mentioned in that message, Matthew 24, 14, which is, you know, this gospel, the kingdom will be preached to all the world and then the end will come and staying firm in that. I would say that's number one. And then I would say number two uh, for me 
uh, regardless of what people would read, it may be in the media by USA Today or uh, the New York Times or anyone else trying to create more division. I saw great unity uh, overall within the SBC and within, within SBC Live. And we're at a tumultuous time in our culture. And so to see those two things, I think those were my most exciting. What, what about you? Yeah, I would, uh, I would definitely agree with those two. Um, I would also add, uh, I really, it had nothing to do with SBC convention, but I really enjoyed the deacon talk by nine marks. Uh, that's very timely for us as a church because, you know, our deacons, we're, we're having some meetings right now talking about what is, what does the deacon work look like post COVID. And uh, so it was just a very helpful, you know, for just to be a part of that conversation. Um, also, you know, one of my favorite parts of the convention is also just being able to go see people, you know, it's kind of reunion, you know, you see friends you haven't seen in a while. And um, I know that the, the gentleman I served with in Nashville, he was our worship leader. He, uh, he's got, he's got bone cancer now. And I was able to run into him and his wife. He's on his cane, but just able to hug his neck, get a selfie with him. And that's just precious times like that. You know, you just see other faithful servants of the Lord. And I'll say my last thing that really blessed me, and, and Tara and I really talked about this. I think she posted something about this, but was just seeing the myriads of young pastors and pastor's wives there. Um, you know, the SBC is not going away anytime soon. Uh, there were, I mean, I would say probably majority of yeah. the pastors there are younger than me. Now, I know I'm getting older. I'm knocking on 50, but I'd say the majority of, of pastors there were, 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 were very younger than me, like in their 30s. And so that was super encouraging that this next generation is really getting into the, the, the doctrines of truth. And, you know, they're taking the gospel seriously and taking our convention seriously. And they're understanding the, why our convention is so strong. And that's because of partnership. <clears throat> so just lastly, just as one more attempt to explain SBC, we're technically not um, a denomination because a denomination implies that there's a hierarchy we don't have that in SBC. Every church there, every pastor there is there by choice because we choose to partner together. <clears throat> you mentioned the word autonomous earlier. We are autonomous churches, almost 50,000 of us. Um, and no one says we have to go to any of this. We don't have to, um, we don't have to, to send money to the cooperative program. We don't have to fund IMB missionaries. We don't just support any of the seminaries, but we choose to because we understand the importance of partnership. We're truly better together than we are by ourselves. And that's the beauty of, of SBC life. And so um, we're not dog, you know, we don't have like a creed. We have the Baptist faith and message, which is kind of a summary of what most SBC churches believe and hold to. Um, and if, if a church gets way outside that, we do deal with that. Maybe, you know, should you be partnering with us kind of a thing. But um, it's just a beautiful picture of First John 1, you know, our fellowship is with Jesus and with one another. And so that word fellowship is partnership. And so that's that's why I'm a, a big fan and an advocate of SBC life. It's just the beauty of partnership. I mean, gosh, look, Martin, what you mean, you know, all too well, all that we're able to do here in St. Louis because of partnership. We're playing the church in Fairmont City. We're not doing that by ourselves. There are myriads of other partners being a part of that. Right. We're a part of planting churches in North City. Um, you know, through our work with the, the local association, there's just, it's just a beautiful thing. We've been part of helping um, Josh Wilson, those guys at, at, uh, uh, what's the name of their church plant? Storyline. Yeah. Storyline. I can't want to say story rise. Not story rise. Yeah. Storyline. So, I mean, just some great stuff that we're able to be a part of 
because of partnership. So, um, yeah, super excited about. Uh, yeah, you know, I would just, uh, I would, I'm in total agreement with that. I, I've even heard people, you probably have too, Daniel. Uh, I've heard pastors say, look, I'm Southern Baptist because of the way they cooperate in missions. Like, yep, that's right. There's no other denomination in quotation marks that, that does that. Quite that's right. Well. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're the only, we're the only group that sends missionaries. They don't have to go out and raise their own support. And I've got a lot of friends who are missionaries with other groups and their biggest stress in life is support. Our missionaries don't have to worry about that because there's already a built in partnership mechanism called the cooperative program. So yeah, it's good stuff. Good stuff. All right. Well, if you have any questions about the uh, SBC or anything we've talked about, just shoot them our way info at canaanstl.org. Or if you know our email address directly, you can do that as well. But uh, it's always great to have this time to chat with Pastor Martin and with all of you listeners. So uh, um, until next time, we'll talk to you then on Canaan STL Podcast.